Okay, so today is the final version of Headspace Volume 1. I want to do Headspace Volume 2, but that's going to be coming to you next year uh, sometime. So this is our final uh, Headspace Volume 1, Attention with Intention, that we're going to be talking about today. But let me just share with you, this is the one that we are going to talk through today, the place that gratitude and thanksgiving has in your headspace and how much it's a part of your day daily life, not just simply the life that you, you know, live once a year in November. Now, you guys realize, don't you, we're about to enter a really crazy season, right? A really crazy season. And I have a couple of things that I'd like to just kind of share with you as kind of public service announcements and the things that are probably going to be going on for you over the next few days. A couple of them that I just want to put up. So let's put up this first one. Be sure to bring up politics at Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to save you money on Christmas presents, amen? And you can follow me for more holiday tips that will help you out, right? Yes, one of those weeks, right? Just be careful what you say. And speaking of being careful what you say, I'd like to go to this next one here as well. Every family has secrets until a Sunday school teacher asks a group of kids if they have any prayer requests, and then it all comes out. Can I get an amen? If y'all have ever, <laughs> if y'all have ever been a Sunday school teacher, you're like, oh wow, I, I can't even say that I heard that, right? So yeah, be careful, especially if you're going to and from a family get together. They're listening, even though they have the headphones in, they can still hear. The only way they can't hear is when you tell them to go brush their teeth and, you know, clean their room. They can't hear then, but I promise you, you whisper like this. And they're like, whoop, I got it, right? So be careful with what you say and do. All right, so where have we been in our headspace? Where have we been talking through these last few weeks? We've been dealing with mental health and just the differences that we've got kind of going on, especially in our modern and kind of post-COVID world or COVID world as it's kind of coming a little bit down. One in five is dealing with an anxiety disorder. One in three is showing the signs. That's not even just simply uh, a person who is saying, yes, I actually do have an anxiety disorder. One in three are showing the signs of that. And 42% of people in their 20s are dealing with an anxiety disorder. It's a difficult thing for them. And so we got to be very aware that people's headspace is full of things that are kind of disturbing and making them, uh, you know, have a very difficult time in our modern world. Let's go to this next slide and talk about where we've been. Todd Henry's podcast, that he had these two men, Adrian Gostick and Chester Elton, and they both spoke about how it is possible that every single psychologist that they spoke to said it is possible that you can build your strength in your mental capacity as well as your ability to deal with what's going on in your headspace. So everything that I've been trying to offer over the last three or four weeks has been intended to be an encouragement to you to call out the area where you might need to show some attention and focus, but then also to just say, hey, if we're dealing with this, that doesn't mean that we're a problem child or a horrible person. It just simply means that we've got to kind of focus on those things and put them under the lordship of Jesus. And it is possible to build strength. If you would say, well, I'm just kind of weak mentally, and so I can't really get past these things. That's not true. You can improve and you can get stronger in your mental capacity in your headspace. Let's go to this next slide. We've been talking through different steps. I've shared with you four different things. The first one was just this. It was quiet the noise. We have so much going on in our world, so we got to be very careful that we're quieting the noise and paying attention with intention. The second thing that I shared with you uh, the next week after that, uh, let's go to this next slide. 
and is feeling again because as we kind of go through our modern world, sometimes it doesn't even feel like we're actually in, impacted in the same way that we were back in the day. Uh, for example, you feel it, but you don't feel it to the same degree and level as you used to. And it almost feels like you're numb as you go through life. And so it's very important that we feel again. We talked a little bit about how you can do that. You can go back and revisit those podcasts as well as those programs and broadcasts on our YouTube channel. Step number three was to reach out. We cannot get past a struggle in our headspace alone most of the time. Most of the time, if we've gone down that hole, we need somebody to help and reach in to give us a hand up out of those difficult places that we are. And then last week, we talked a little bit about about the social media thing and how it affects our headspace. So you can go to this next slide here. I shared some things from the August 11th, 2021 episode of the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's kind of a podcast for preachers, but it has a ton of information that could really be positive for you to go back and listen to. If you wanted to go deeper, you can do that. He had a lady on by the name of Jen Twangy, and uh, she had a, uh, a book that we talked about. And if you go to this next slide, you'll see this is the graph that she spoke about and had in her book. It is the 12th graders' self-competence and self-liking. Basically, if you look closely, about in the year of 2012 was when cell phones and social media kind of reached a tipping point. And even if you weren't involved, it was still influencing culture for young people as well as older adults to the degree that you couldn't escape it. It was pervasive. And it's still pervasive today. You know, there's some of us who are like, oh, I'm not into that. That's fine. But everybody else is, right? And so even if you're a guy like me who's not on some of the social media platforms, it doesn't mean that I don't stay connected. It doesn't mean that I don't access those things. It doesn't mean that I don't listen to those things that are being put out because it's pervasive. It's everywhere. And this, if you notice, is about the same exact time where the self-liking and the self-competence feelings of those young people that were 12th graders, those people who were graduating, it took an absolute nosedive because they were doing so much comparisons of themselves to those who were on social media. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. And I want to share this with you. This was a really powerful thing that I shared last week, uh, not because I said it, but because this guy said it. He said, this was from Sean Parker, who was a co-creator of Facebook. He said, Facebook exploits the vulnerabilities in human psychology. And we knew it, but we did it anyway. And they've made billions on it, but that's just kind of at the expense of so many people's mental health and some of the things that are going on in their life, in their headspace. All right, so where are we today? Let's go to this next slide. And I will just say that when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. This is written by G.K. Chesterton, a man who is a preacher and an intellectual and a philosopher. Um, one more guy who kind of goes along with my theory that if you have facial hair, you've got more deep thoughts. So I'm trying, right? I'm trying. But here's the deal. He says when it comes to life, it's whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. I want to talk a little bit about that today, and I ask you at the very outset, do you feel like you're a person who takes things for granted, or if you take them with gratitude as they come your direction? Let's go to this next slide, and this is really, really important and valuable. Gratitude gives. Whether you would answer that question, no, I think I'm definitely a person who takes things with gratitude, here's what I would say. I would say 
no matter what, if you sweep it all away and all the best intentions and all the good thoughts about these things and all the feelings that are inside but never making it outside, I would say if you start sweeping all of that stuff away, gratitude gives. And if it's not giving, it's not the level of gratitude that pleases the Lord. And I'm just going to use this passage of scripture that is found in Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to go to that slide and then we'll come back to that slide if you don't mind, Colin. So let's go to this one here, Luke 17, 15 through 18. This is when Jesus heals the 10 lepers. If you remember the story, 10 lepers call out to Jesus and ask for him to heal them. And he does this very, very simply. He simply says, okay, so you guys want to be healed. This is the New Texas version. Follow me, okay? If you guys want to be healed, then go show yourselves to the priest. Usually what would happen at that time is the person would realize that they are healed over a long period of time, and they go, you know what, all this this leprosy is going away. And then they would go to the priest, and the priest would declare them to be clean, cleansed, and healed of their leprosy. What Jesus is asking for them to do is an act of faith, in that he sees them exactly like they are. They're men who are leprous from head to toe. But here's what he says, go show yourselves to the priest. Go as if you have already been healed. Go. And 10 of them say, what have we got to lose? So they go. And as they go, they are probably walking or walking fast, maybe even jogging. And as they go, they realize that the leprosy that covers their body from head to toe is suddenly disappearing. And realize that before they reach the priests to declare them clean, they have been wholly and totally cleansed of this life-altering disease. They're cleansed. They're healed. All 10 of them are just ecstatic, as you can even imagine. And I, I, I can't really go into all of it, but leprosy was the thing that took you away from your family, maybe never to return. You could not be with other people because of how contagious the disease was. You had to call out unclean. I know some of you know this. You've heard me speaking and preaching about leprosy and what it means. But as they went to the priest, they realized they were clean. Nine of them kept going And one of them turned back and came to Jesus. And this is what is said. This says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And now Jesus is not playing the race card here. He's playing the religious card here. Let me explain this to you so you understand. It sounds on the precursory kind of reading that Jesus is playing the race card. He's a Samaritan. Where are all my Jews at? He's not saying that. What he's saying is there are people that claim to be close to God, and then there are those that do not. But what has happened here is those who claim to be close to God are running in the opposite direction, and the one man who doesn't even claim to be close to God has turned around and made gratitude real. You guys with me? Can, you, can I get an amen? Amen? Okay, so why does this matter to you and to me? Because if you aren't making gratitude real in your life, you're just like one of the nine lepers. And, and we as Christians are not immune. We are God's people just like the Jews were God's people in that day. 
And oftentimes we as God's people receive a blessing and go, this is awesome. Yes. <laughs> now what's the next blessing I can get? Because I can go see my family now and I can do this and I can do that. And immediately our thought is not of gratitude, but what is next, right? I mean, let's, can, can we be honest? When we receive and are in the habit of constantly receiving, if we have not made room for gratitude to give once we have received, then we're not experiencing gratitude in the way that God wants us to. It's something that's not quite right. God's gratitude gives. So let's go back, and here's what I'm talking about. Gratitude gives your time. Gratitude gives your attention. Gratitude gives gifts. Gratitude gives dollars. Gratitude gives grateful words to God. That's what we just read about. And by the way, it also, time and attention as well. Um, also, gratitude gives grateful words to the situation as well as to others that are in the situation or others who have been the, the channel of blessing to you. You give gratitude to them as well as to God. And so these are all really, really important. And I want to just share with you, you may or may not be aware of this, but there is a war of words in your mind and in our mindset and in our modern vocabulary. There's a war of words. It is words like owed, expected, and earned. And these are all fighting against gratitude. Let me, let me give you a quick explanation. Here's what I mean. Let's say I got my guy, Jesus. Isn't Jesus an incredible drummer? Can we give him a hand? I mean, Jesus, you're an awesome guy. And you know what? I'm sorry about that $12 that I borrowed from you the other day. I know I should pay it back, but, uh, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. I feel bad I didn't bring cash, right? And so I've got $12 outstanding in a balance, and uh, I come to Jesus, and I give him $12, and I go, what about it, man? He's like, yeah, cool, thanks. I'm like, I just gave you $12. And he says, no, no, no. You didn't give me $12. You gave me my $12 back, right? There's a big difference, Randy. You don't get credit for borrowing money, giving it back, and then acting like you gave me a gift, right? Amen? That's just the way it goes. Here's the deal. If you are owed something and somebody pays you, you are not going to feel an immense amount of gratitude. You're just back at level. You're back at zero, right? Amen? So what do you assume that this world owes you? What do you assume that people in your life owe you? What do you assume that God owes you? What do you assume that your spouse owes you? What do you assume that your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, what do you assume that they owe you? And here's the problem, because if that list is long, then guess what? You're going to have a lot of hurdles just to get to the place where you ever feel a single little bit of gratitude. Now, let's be honest, real, real quickly, going a little further, <laughs> if you earned it, say you were at work, you showed up for work every day, you did your job, you don't walk into the boss's office and go, a paycheck, this is great. You don't do that. Why? Because you earned it, right? You earned it. Now, here's again how we come up against the difficulty. We can be grateful for the situation that gives us a paycheck and be 
very, very grateful about that and never seem that strange when we say, oh, it's a paycheck. Wow. You know, so that might be a little weird since you earned your paycheck, but you can always say, you know what? I'm really grateful for this job. I'm grateful that you gave me a chance. I'm grateful that God has given uh, you know, us this opportunity to work together, whatever it might be. Because the problem for most of us is if something's owed, expected, or in their mind earned, they will hardly ever feel even the smallest amount of gratitude. Can I share something with you? In our world, we are constantly hearing and constantly being bombarded about what we're owed, what is expected, and what we have earned. And very, very little do you ever hear of somebody saying, I did not deserve this. I thank God for this. It's usually, you know, I worked really hard, so it's cool to see my, my own efforts paying off finally, right? You've heard stuff like that, and it sounds like, you know, it just sounds like 2021, doesn't it? I mean, it's just what it is. But isn't it funny how sometimes a little bit of a knockback in the world situation gives us a different perspective on gratitude and the things that we've always taken for granted that we expected, that we thought the world owed us, or those things that we thought we had earned suddenly, they became something for us to go, you know what? I don't necessarily know that I earned it. I'm not sure that I was owed it. I probably shouldn't have expected it, but I am grateful for it. It's a big difference, and it's a huge difference in your headspace if you can find a place to be grateful and be thankful. Here's what I mean. Let's, let's go to this next slide real quickly. Uh, I love this picture. Donna? Donna, who, who, who's got who beat here? I mean... Do you have him beat or does he have you beat? Because here's what I noticed. As I, as I looked, he got closer to the camera, which makes it seem bigger. I think he was out to get you from the start. I think he was like kind of coming at you, but not coming at you. That's what I think. Are you on the same page? Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I love this picture. Isn't this a great picture? We were going off to Mission of Yahweh to go and work, and these two beautiful people, these two beautiful workers... Um, Oscar says to me, he says, I, I want to take a picture of me flexing with Donna. Is she here? You know, I said, yeah, she's here. He said, I want to take it. I'm going to send it to my kids. They're going to get a huge kick out of it. And you're wondering, Randy, didn't you use this last week? Yes, I did. I did. I'm, I admit it. I'll tell a joke twice if I get a good laugh. Is there anybody out there that's like me? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> One of us, like we're, we're kindred spirits. We're like, yeah, man, I got to do what I can. Right. Okay. But I was talking to Oscar the other day, and it's so funny because I appreciate Oscar, and I even shared with him uh, before, but he is a Vietnam vet. And so what he did in Vietnam is he actually helped to steer the big ships. And so he had a lot of things going on, very, very high-level work, all those things that he was dealing with. But we were together the other day, and he was talking to me, and he said, it's a funny thing, I feel different than the guys that were on shore. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was on the ship and they weren't, you know, we weren't in gunfights, right? They weren't shooting at us. We were in the ships and we were safe. I feel different than the men that were out there in the jungles getting shot at. He said, I feel like they have a measure of my respect that goes way beyond. And he kind of laughed and he said, but we got their respect too. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, when we were taking them over there, <clears throat> he said, 
They were all complaining about our ships. They're like, oh, this is a rusty bucket. What are we doing on this old terrible ship and all this stuff? He said, they got out in the jungle. They took the firefight and all that stuff. He said, they literally came back on the ship and they were getting down on their hands and knees and kissing the planks of the ship (laughs) saying, thank God I got back and I'm safe. What changed? Did the ship change one single bit? Not at all. Tell me what changed their perspective, right? That's it. And for us, we don't have to have more in our lives for us to be grateful. We need to shift our perspective because I believe that we think we're owed things. We're expecting the world to give us things that we don't necessarily have this reason to expect. And can I just say something? Man, living in the United States of America, we take so much for granted that the other parts of the world would absolutely love to have as a part of their life, and they don't. Can I get an amen? I mean, amen. And some of you who have been either in travels or maybe your heritage lies in other places, you know there's stuff that Americans take for granted, and you're like, this is awesome. Don't miss this awesome place that God has allowed and gifted us to be born into and through no positive that we have ever done. And so it's so important that we grasp this. Now, real quickly, let's go on here to this something to learn. As, as uh, Eric was reading about Paul and Silas, they visited the city of Philippi on Paul's second of four missionary journeys. And, and if you know that the name Philippi comes from Prince Philip of Macedon. And let's keep going here. He went, Paul went to Philippi in response to what is known as his Macedonian call. So if you were to say, I'm on my Texas call or I'm on my Texas mission, you might go to the city of Houston. I mean, if you're blessed, right? So you go to the city of Houston and, but you call it the Texas call. So Macedon is like the area or the country and Philippi is the city in that country or that geographic area. In that vision, Paul saw a man saying, come over here and help us. And so Paul realizes that God is calling them into the city of Macedonia or into the state of Macedonia and into the city of Philippi. But do you remember what we just read? When Paul is there, he's seized by the magistrates with his companion Silas. They're beaten with rods to within inches of their life. They're thrown into the stocks and thrown into jail and probably... Had they not miraculously been saved, they could have faced even worse situation. And so if you begin to look at it and you say, well, God is leading me to do these things, then I should expect that everything should go well. If God is telling me to go to a certain place, if I go, then I have an assumption that everything is going to be fine for me. Well, hold the phone because that is not reality. How many of you believe that God sent Jesus into the world? Can I see your hands? Okay. So if God sent Jesus into the world, tell me how it ended for him. It ended for him hanging on a cross, right? Wasn't exactly easy, but then came Easter Sunday and everything changed. But this is God that sometimes he calls us into places that are going to push us and test us and try us and make it difficult for us to see that he was even in the thing in the first place. Can I get an amen? Have you ever been there before? Amen. 
And you've been there where God led you to do something. You went out and you did it. And you're like, man, I must have misheard something because I'm in the middle of something. I don't even think I can make it through. Somehow you made it through. And then you looked back and you saw that God was working everything for his good and for your good. And you go, wow, I cannot even believe that this is how it happened. This is what I'm sharing with you. It does not mean that we have a right to assume or a right to expect that everything's going to be easy in our life if we follow the Lord and even if we're obedient to him. But here is what is great. We can choose to be grateful even in the midst of it. I want to share this from this passage uh, that I'm going to read in just a moment. It's not scripture. It's from Billy Graham, so it's close. Let's go to this next slide here. Uh, this is from How to Be Thankful in All Things, things from Billy Graham. Uh, and that's billygraham.org if you want to go and read it. It was put out November 11th, 2021. I'm going to read a little bit longer passage from this than I normally do, but it is absolutely awesome. Listen, this is what Billy Graham writes. And he's writing about this passage of scripture that Eric read to us just a moment ago. The next footsteps in the corridor, he knew, might be those of the guards that would take him away to his execution. His only bed was the hard, cold stone floor in the dank, cramped prison cell. Not an hour passed when he was free from the constant irritation of the chains and the pain of the iron monocles cutting into his wrists and on his legs. Separated from friends, unjustly accused, and brutally beaten, if ever a person had the right to complain, it was this man, languishing almost forgotten in a harsh Roman prison. But instead of complaints, his lips rang with words of praise and thanksgiving. The man was the Apostle Paul, a man who had learned the meaning of true thanksgiving, even in the midst of great adversity and earlier when he had been imprisoned in Rome. Paul wrote, sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. That's from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Think of it, always giving thanks for everything, no matter the circumstances. Thanksgiving for the apostle Paul was not a once-year celebration, but a daily reality that changed his life and made him a joyful person in every situation. Thanksgiving, not the day, but the attitude. Thanksgiving to God for all his blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of the believer in Jesus Christ. We must not allow a spirit of ingratitude to harden our hearts and to chill our relationship with God and also with others. And then let's go to this next slide. As you'll see, this is a quote that I want to share. Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart and nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thanksgiving. Isn't that good? I mean, it's so powerful. It can change your outlook and it can change your mindset. It can change your headspace. It can change your life. It's amazing. This is the big idea. And I want to share it with you. Choosing gratitude, and always remember, choosing gratitude is not because the circumstances are just so overwhelmingly good. It is the a mental decision and choice you make. Even the song that we just sang a minute ago, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, comes from the passages of Scripture in the Psalms where David sometimes said, I don't feel it, but I am going to choose to bless the Lord. And so you and I choose to make this our attitude. Choosing gratitude attracts opportunities, 
blessings and joy into your life. Would you guys say this out loud with me? Ready on the count of three? Here we go. One, two, three. Choosing gratitude attracts opportunities, blessings, and joy into your life. If you need more opportunities, if you need more blessings, and you need more joy into your life, choose gratitude for everything that is already there. And you'll be amazed at how more finds you. I'm not here to share this with you so you can have more. I'm here to share this with you so you can experience joy. And I want to go to this next slide. This is an incredible quote. It's an incredible quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let me explain who he is. Dietrich Bonhoeffer sounds German to you because he's German. He was a man who was one of the mainstays and pillars of what was called the Confessing Church in Germany. That means when the Third Reich rose and everybody followed and said, we're going to heil Hitler instead of heil Jesus, that's the way that it happened. But there were some who said, forgetting all of these things that are going on in my country, I'm going to make sure that I'm true to Scripture and true to the Savior, and I am going to stand up for the Jews who are being a part of this Holocaust that they do not deserve. That was called the Confessing Church versus the Third Reich Church. And in those incredibly difficult circumstances where eventually Dietrich Bonhoeffer would give his life because of his stand for Christ, he says this, it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. I'm going to tell you something. I know rich people who are incredibly unhappy, and I know poor people who have the joy that goes way beyond anything that I have in my own life. And I'm like, how are they so happy when they have so many challenges? Because joy, happiness, and gratitude is not about what you have. It's about what you have. And if you're listening on the podcast, I'm making motion, so I'm making something profound. Just follow me. It's not about what you have. It is about what you have, right? Amen? And so we've got to say, this is important for us. Joy is something I'm choosing, and I'm not going to let it go. Let's go on very quickly. And how can you grow gratitude? I have three suggestions real quickly. You grow gratitude by being aware of the seasons of your life. And we talked about this in the past, and we talked about timeless versus timely. Timely means today I've got a real problem and it's going on and it's a big, big deal. Timeless means, you know what? I may have a really big deal today, but I've had years of no problems and I'll have no problems as of tomorrow. So timely is so focused on the moment. Timeless means God's in control, even though I can't figure out what's happening in this very moment. Our world is desperate to be timely and in the process, we are losing timeless wisdom, understanding, and perspective. You know it as well as I do. The thing in the moment is so important. And then later, you realize it really didn't matter that much. For you, for your own mental sanity, for your own gratitude level, I encourage you. You don't need to really worry too much about being timely. I don't know about y'all. I gave up on being timely a long time ago. It's so funny because I talked to my oldest or my youngest daughter. She's 20 years old. And she tells me, she's like, you need to ask somebody else kind of what the cool kids are saying because I don't know anymore. I graduated a couple years ago. I can't keep up. It's changing so much. I'm like, welcome to my world times 10. I'm 50. I like quit caring years ago, right? So here's the deal. Don't worry about being timely. Focus instead on being timeless. Can an old person in the house say amen? amen? All right, so very good. Let's go to this next slide. How do we grow gratitude? Oh, I meant to tell you. 
Do you guys remember how we always talk about this slide? I share this slide constantly. I share this slide constantly because we talk all the time. I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley. I'm in the mountaintop or I'm in the valley. And the truth of the matter is, is that most of the time you're not in the, on the mountaintop or in the valley. You're actually dealing with something that looks a lot more like this. One track of your life is going well, and then another track is having struggles. So for example, how many of y'all have ever seen that when you've got enough time for a vacation, you don't have enough money for a vacation, but when you have enough money for a vacation, you don't have enough time for a vacation. Can I get an amen? Right? Right? That happens all the time. What's going on? One track's going good. One track's not. That happens all the time. What about when you're having a great time at work? It's going really well. You're making progress like you never believed. That's your left track. And then at home, it's a big struggle. You can't figure out why you can't get on the same page. But that's how it is. But the problem for us is we want to we wanna say, well, I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley. Well, you know what? There's always going to be something that's not going great in your life. Be aware of that season of your life. You know what I figured out? I try to be real honest with you guys and be real transparent. I figured out that sometimes Shelly and I are going to have weeks where we don't really get along that well. But I'm coming up on 31 years, so I, I, I'm, I'm doing something right. She's doing something right. Probably because we figured that it's more important than the moment, the moment, the moment that we enjoy every single moment. Sometimes it's going to be hard. I've had months where she and I can't seem to get on the same page, but I've also had years and years and years where it's amazing. So let's just not get too wrapped up in the moment and let's be timeless instead of timely. That goes where you look at your life as a railroad track and you focus on the positive instead of just constantly the negative. All right, let's move on very quickly. Believe in God's redemptive power. What does that mean? God's redemptive power. It means that God is not just here to save your soul. He is here to save every piece and part of your life. He is the redeemer. That means he is buying back even the negative experiences in your life. Let's go to this next slide, and here's what we know. We say it all the time around here, the Romans 8, 28 principle. We know that all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord, for those that are called according to his purpose. That's the King James Version. That's the way I heard it. That's the way I memorized it. I'm sorry, I can't memorize it in a different way yet. But this is what we know. And we hear that, and we all say, Amen. But then we read the last part, this other passage, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we're like, uh, that one seems a little harder. Notice the two things that are the same. There's all things in all circumstances. How is it possible for you and I to give thanks in all circumstances? Because we already believe in Romans 8, 28. And that God is at work even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel it, even when we don't know what he is up to, all circumstances are going to be redeemed through God's power and shaped into something that is a beautiful masterpiece in your life and in mine. But we got to have patience and we got to have faith that he's going to do it and let him work what he alone can do. So that's how you continue to have gratitude. That's the A, B, C. And I'm, I've done the A, I've done the B. Let's go to this next one here. And this, I believe, we grow gratitude by C. We call it out to both God and to others. You are aware of the seasons being timeless instead of timely. You believe in God's redemptive power, not just to save your soul, but to redeem your powerful, powerful moments of your life. And then you call it out both to God and to others. That means when you're grateful to God, you say it. You're the one. 
You're the one who turns around and comes back to Jesus, falls at his feet and says, you know what? Thank you. And when Jesus says, weren't there 10? Can I remind you of something real quickly? That was Jesus. He knew what was in their heart. He knew the feeling that they had and he knew their mindset. So if they were grateful, which I'm sure they were, he would have known it. But what did he say? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? This is how we know that gratitude gives. Gratitude gives because Jesus, if he knew their hearts and minds, if he knew their feelings, they're looking at it, of course they're grateful. But they didn't slow down enough to give God the glory. They didn't call it out. They didn't do something that would change something for anyone else. This is our problem in our world today. We feel it, but we don't say it. We think it, but we don't speak about it. We feel those things, but we don't actually make them true. Here is our problem. We think that gratitude is a feeling, but when the truth is really told, Jesus tells us clearly he believes that gratitude is an action. So if you and I want to be grateful, if you and I want to have the kind of gratitude that actually changes our life and our mindset and our headspace, then we have to be grateful to the point where we worship him and change those things. We call it out. We speak about it. We speak to God. We speak to others. And we tell them what God is in the process of doing in our lives. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is really important. One of the best ways to feel more gratitude towards God is to practice telling his kids how and why you are grateful to them and for them. In other words, here's the problem. For most of us, we want to just be grateful to God because it's easy. It's just to God. And he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm feeling. But the truth is, is that we have to share it. But also, we need to practice that act of gratitude. You'd be amazed at just the simple acts of saying, I'm thankful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I'm not worthy of this, but that is awesome. And you brought it about. Thank you so much. All of these things change our attitudes and change our mindset to where any small thing that comes is an opportunity for joy and gratitude in our lives. Very quickly, let's go to this next slide. Bad news, bad news. You guys are going to have lots of opportunities to be really negative this coming week. You know it, right? I mean, how you been? Oh, been a hard year. It's been a really hard year. I, I tell you. And, and you know what? It has been. I'm not trying to make it. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't be honest. But you know, there have been some good things that have happened in your life. For some of us, it's been a time where we've been able to renew some relationships that we didn't have a chance to renew because we were so busy. For some of us, it's been a reminder that our job is not everything. <laughs> For some of us, it's been all different things and ways that we've seen God work, small and large. And I could go on and on and on. Here's my challenge to you. When you're sitting there and you're stuffing your face with turkey and watching a little football and somebody says something, how's your year been? How's it been going for you? I would encourage you, just do this. You can be negative if you want. Cool. Go ahead and share the down, share the bad, share the negative. But do me this favor. Make sure... That every time you share one negative, you share at least one positive. That's all I'm asking. I'm not saying don't say a word that's negative, because I don't think that's realistic. I'm not asking you to pretend that everything's perfect because you're a Christian. 
But here's what I would say. Don't be a person who shares five negatives and then, but I still got my health, you know, or whatever. I mean, don't do that, right? That's, that's an old saying. Some of y'all may or may not know that, but I'm trying to tell y'all that was funnier than you thought. Anyway, let's go on here. Just be even. Just be honest. Just be equal. Share one negative and share one positive because most of us, we do really well at sharing the negative and not the positive. So here's the big question that I have for you as we end. What do your attitudes and your actions and your words show about your level of gratitude to God and to other people? Are you one of those people who just can tell you all the negative about your job but never say, but I'm really, really well compensated for the things that I get? You know, the things that I do. What about your harshest critic? Do they think that you're a positive person? Do they think you're a person whose life is exemplified by gratitude? Now, I'm not doing this to poke you in the chest, but I'm reminding you of something. If that is not, then you probably are not experiencing the joy and the opportunities and the good things that God has for those who are choosing the gratitude that changes their mindset and changes their life, changes their circumstances, changes their family, changes their legacy. I go on and on and on. I'm not. I'm done. I'm pretty much done. But here's how you apply this message, and then we'll watch a video. Begin to intentionally build community in your daily and family life. You reach out to someone. You share that gratitude. You reach up for God. You share the gratitude with him. You share them both. And you give those things to God that he deserves, the gratitude he deserves. And then you reach back out to someone and encourage them, thank them for the role that they have played in your life and the way that they have been a blessing to you. Dear God, as we come to the place in our calendar where we talk about gratitude and thanksgiving, may we, your children, be incredibly faithful to you to be grateful and thankful for the things that you've done. May we be verbal. May we not give up those things that you have done and just simply say, great, this is fantastic, and keep moving. May we take time. May we allow you to touch our hearts. May we reach back out to heaven and with a pure and whole heart sing the praises of the Lord who has been so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray.